Welcome back. It's been a while since we've last gathered here in our building. Now, notice I said building and not church. You see, the church isn't a building. You see, we are the church. The people are the church. And though we've had to scatter because of the COVID-19 crisis, we are still the church. And today, some of us have gathered here in this room and in the, this building. So it's good to see you all here today. Isn't that great? And, and some of you, you've gathered in your homes. You're in your living rooms right now. Maybe you're still in your pajamas and, uh, and you're drinking your favorite uh, coffee and, and, and that. And we just want to thank you today for tuning in. For all of those that have gathered here today, why don't you give each other a, a, a COVID-friendly greeting by waving. Wave at each other, right? Just wave at each other right now. And for those that are gathering online, why don't you join me for a coffee mug salute? Cheers. Well, can you believe, can you believe it's been 16 weeks, 16 weeks since we've gathered in this place together for a Sunday service? Hard to believe. And just out of curiosity, how many of you have been tuning in faithfully every week, every Sunday to our online service? How many out there? And how many... Uh, you, how many of you have been watching actually on Sunday morning during the regular church times? How many? How many? And how many, instead of tuning in on Sundays, you, you, cho you chose to tune in on a different day of the week? Anybody? Anybody? And if you're online, uh, you can post your answers in the comments section if you're watching directly on our YouTube channel. And if you're viewing today on our website, we've got this wonderful feature of online chat. It's on the section on there. All you have to do is just sign in. As I was preparing for today and gearing up for Welcome Back Sunday, there was kind of a particular song that kind of kept on going through my head. And maybe you've heard this one before. Let's give this a try. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Kind of funny, eh? I, that, that, that song has been ringing in my head all week long. It's from the, the Welcome Back Cotter uh, TV show. It's so good to be back, isn't it? Today, I want us to look at a story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. And these stories that Jesus told were actually parables. And those simple stories illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson. Or put another way, a par parables are earthly stories with heavenly meaning. And, and Jesus uh, used parables to often tell people about the kingdom of God or the importance of prayer and the meaning of love and, and other such things. And, and the story we're going to be focusing on today, however, is the parable or the story known as the lost son or also called the prodigal son. Now, before we get into that story... Uh, let me just give you a bit of context of leading up to this story. Jesus, at the beginning of Luke chapter 15, tells uh, some stories. Uh, first one is about a lost sheep. One lost sheep and how a shepherd left 99 in search of just the one. Now, that seems kind of reckless and over the top, doesn't it? And after he finds the one lost sheep, he returns and throws a celebration. 
And Jesus caps off the story by saying this. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents and over the, than over the 99 persons who do not need to repent. And then Jesus tells the story of a woman who had 10 silver coins. And this woman, I mean, she, she has 10 coins, but she loses one. And, and, and that one coin, she, she searches all over the house relentlessly for that one coin. And afterwards, after she finds it, she throws a big celebration, probably costing more than that one coin was worth. But it seems a little extravagant, doesn't it? Seems a little bit over the top, just for a lost coin. But then Jesus said this in John chapter 15, verse 10. He says, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And, and these two stories, we're seeing a common theme here. And, and what was lost, once lost is now found. And Jesus is relating the sheep and the coin to people who were once far from God or, or lost, but now have been found and, and, and are with him again. Now, Jesus tells the following story in Luke chapter 15, verse 11 and 12. And let me, let's just go there together. And this is what it says. It says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. It was a common practice back then that the, the father would give the older son, the oldest, the firstborn, uh, two-thirds of the estate. And, and then he would give the younger son uh, only just one-third of the estate. And, and this usually was done after the father would, would either pass away or, or when he decided to retire. But there's no indication here. There's no indication uh, that the father was on his deathbed or, or that he was actually ready to re retire. For the younger son to make such a demand like this was inappropriate and, and very disrespectful. Regardless of this man's uh, son's behavior, right, behaving like a spoiled brat, the father generously or recklessly, I'll let you draw your own conclusion, gives his son what he demands. Let's, let's go to verse 13. It says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Wow. The kid couldn't wait to fly the coop. He couldn't wait to leave home. He couldn't wait to, to leave home in his rearview mirror, right? And, and we don't know for sure what his home life was like, but we get the idea that this kid is a bit of a wild child. Let's pick it up in verse 14 here. In verse 14, it says, After he had spent everything, wow, spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Now, after the money was gone, so were his so-called friends. The Beatles were on to something when they wrote these words, money can't buy me love. Can't buy you friends either. Can't buy you happiness. And so this young kid, he, he's desperate. He's desperate. Let's pick it up in verse 15. It says, so he went and hired himself, or he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields 
to feed pigs. Now, verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. Now, according to the Mosaic law, right, all that, that all the Jews lived by, right, Pigs were considered to be unclean animals. And, and they could be used, they couldn't be used for sacrifices, nor could they be eaten. Even touching one would make a devout Jew unclean. From this story, we're assuming that this, this boy is actually a Jewish boy and that Jesus is actually speaking predominantly, uh, we're assuming that he's speaking predominantly to a Jewish crowd. So this young son stoops so low to work in a pig farm, uh, consistently in contact with pigs. And, and, and it was a, of great humiliation to him. For him to even crave, right, to eat pig's food was an all-time low. He had hit rock bottom. Now imagine the guilt and the condemnation he was feeling. So uh, he felt so unworthy of being rescued. Shame covered him like a robe. And his identity of being a son was completely stripped from him. And, and, from, uh, and, and his new identity was tied directly to his situation, his circumstance, uh, the consequence of his wild living, his sin. It was tied to his sin. Shame does that. Shame robs us of any joy any peace, and any form of contentment. Shame drags us into the mud, right? Shame drags us away from the dinner table where, where there's proper nourishment and, and throws us into the pig pen, forces us into the pig pen. And, 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 and so what happens is, is shame doesn't want us to break free. Shame doesn't want us to have hope. Shame doesn't want us to know the, who we can be in Christ or that there's freedom in Christ. Shame wants to keep us captive. Wants to keep us captive. Now, pig pens can take on many different forms. They can come in, in the form of addiction. They can come in the, the form of greed. And they can come in the form of self-indulgence. They can come in the form of rebellion. They can come in the form of gluttony. They can come in the form of criminal activity. And they can come in the form of violence. Pig pens are breeding grounds for sin. They're breeding grounds for sin. I love what the late Rabbi Zacharias once said. He said, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Let me say that again. Uh, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. If you're caught in a pig pen right now, in whatever situation you're going through, I want you to know that there's more to the story. You may feel lost and hopeless right now, right? Uh, but God has not given up on you. The chapter might be coming to a close, but there's a new one being written. It's being written, right? And God is not finished yet. There's more. There's more. In fact, tell somebody beside you right now. Tell somebody beside you, there's more to the story. There's going to be more for all of those that are listening online. There's more. If there's somebody watching with you today, tell them there's more, right? God's not done. There's more. There's more. Let's pick it up in verse 17 here. It says, when he came to his senses, 
when he came to his senses, you know how God's Holy Spirit works? Jesus was giving his audience a sneak peek of how the Holy Spirit would work in, in people's lives. And God's Holy Spirit is, is as alive today and active today as it was in the back, in the book of Acts. God's Holy Spirit planted a thought in his mind. This kid was coming to his senses, and, and, and you know what? This kid coming to his uh, senses was really him hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the voice of the Holy Spirit was saying, it's not too late. You haven't gone too far. You can, you can still go back home. The Holy Spirit has been planting thoughts in our minds all along, over the centuries, throughout all the generations. We've just got to stop and start listening and paying attention to what he's saying to us. Again, verse 17, it says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired, hand, hired servants have food to spare, and for, uh, here I am starving to death, right? Here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father. I will set out and go back to my father. See, there's a difference between this story from the others. You see, the, the lost sheep and the lost coin, those, those were lost and found stories, right? About the owner seeking out what was lost. Here is a little bit different. Here we see the lost returning so he can be found, so they can be found. God won't do for you what he expects you to do for yourself. He won't. He won't. There are some things that only God can do, all right? I believe that, and I know that in my heart to be true. But there are things that he has empowered us to do on our own. Returning to him is one of those things. It's one of those things that we're to do on our own. Let's pick it up again. Uh, verse 18, again, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. This young man, he experienced transformation in his desperation. He experienced transformation in his desperation. Transformation happens by the renewing of our minds, right? And the renewing of this young man's mind revealed to him that uh, he no longer needed to remain in the pig pen, that he could return home. This once arrogant, selfish little brat was now completely broken in humility. He saw the error of his ways, and he was ready to own it. And he knew that his relationship with his father would never be the same, would never be the same again. Too much has happened. His heart was completely humbled. And here he was ready to be his father's servant rather than his father's son. God's not done. There's more to the story. This, this kid doesn't know it yet, but for those of us who've, who've read or heard this story before or we've read it before, we know there's more. There's more to the story. Let's, let's pick it up in, in verse 20. It says this in verse 20, So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now, 
this, this part of the story, it always hits me right here all the time, right here in the fields. The father had every right to be angry. He had every right to chew out his son uh, for what he had done. And, and he has every right to, to give him the whole I told you so speech. But he doesn't do any of that. He doesn't do any of those things. Instead, we get the impression that he's been on the lookout for his son since the day he left. And that he's been waiting and waiting, hoping that his son would come home. When he sees his son far off in the distance, he runs to him. He wraps his arms around him. He wipes the tears from his son's eyes. And with forgiveness in his voice, he says these words, Son, do you know I still love you? Somebody needed to hear that today. I really believe that. You need to know that Father God, he still loves you. He loves you. And he's passionate for you. And he wants you to come home. Come back to him. In the story, after they share that beautiful moment together, his son gains composure and recites the speech that he's been rehearsing all the way home. It's found in verse 21. It says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father, he isn't hearing him at all. <laughs> he isn't hearing him at all. He's seeing his lips do this. But he's not hearing a single thing, his words saying. Why? Because he's overcome with joy. That he shouts out orders to his servants. And I love this. In, in verses 22 to 24, he says this. He says, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring out the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this, my, uh, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. They began to celebrate. Isn't that so, so amazing? So unexpected, right? Before we wrap this up this morning, I want to leave you with some valuable insight that I believe is really going to bless you and maybe really minister to somebody today. All right? First, I want to start with the significant, how significant it is that the father wanted to clothe his son. To clothe his son. For, for so long, his son had been wearing robes of shame. But now the father wanted him to wear the robe of forgiveness, love, and grace. He removed the old robe of shame and disgrace and put on this new robe. This this was his son whom he had loved, and, and, and he didn't want his son to be hindered anymore by his past decisions. He didn't want the reminder of his failure to, to, to be with him and hang on him, that he would live the rest of his life in regret. His father didn't want that for his son. Next, he gives him the family ring, and it's to restore his identity and belonging in the family. He wants his son to know of his value. And then lastly, but not certainly not the least, right? He fits him with sandals on his bare feet as if to indicate a renewed purpose, meaning for life. 
He gives his son hope for a better tomorrow. Next, I want to show you how important uh, words are in this story. You see, this story is, is, is called the lost son in many of the translations of the Bible. But in some translations, it's called the prodigal son. And have you ever wondered what the definition of prodigal is? Well, it means this. Prodigal is defined as this, recklessly extravagant and lavish. Recklessly extravagant and lavish. Now, we can easily look at this young lost son as being the prodigal because of he was recklessly extravagant and lavish by spending all of his inheritance on wild living and on sin. But hold on for a second. Maybe the son isn't the prodigal here at all. What if the father was the prodigal in this story? Now think about this for a moment. Think about this. Recklessly extravagant and lavish with what? Forgiveness, love, and grace. He recklessly, extravagantly, and lavishly put a robe on his son, put a ring on his finger, and sandals on his wayward son. And he was recklessly, extravagantly, and lavishly forgave his son, recklessly, extravagantly, and lavishly threw a big party in honor of his wayward son. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Could it be that we serve a prodigal God who recklessly, extravagantly, lavishly closes us with, with forgiveness and love and grace? Could it be that we serve a prodigal God who recklessly, extravagantly, and lavishly puts a ring on our finger and restores us? Uh, our identity and belonging to his family? Could it be that we serve uh, a prodigal God who recklessly, extravagantly, and lavishly puts sandals on our feet and, and, and gives us to give us purpose and meaning and hope and life? Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. How do you see God? How do you see God? Is he some distant God, kind of like the old Bette Midler song, he's watching from a distance? <laughs> Nothing really, that he's not really involved in what's going on here in planet Earth? Or, or maybe he's an absentee father, and, and so you put God in that, you've had an absentee father in your life, and so you put God in that category. Or maybe you see him as a supervisor God who, who's just out there to get you. Or maybe you, have a, you don't have a clear picture of who God is because he, you, you think of him as just some spirit in the sky. Jesus came to the world to show us all the heart of God. That God is not some distant God, that he's not some absentee father, and that, that he's not some su supervisor God holding a stick and, and, and out, to get, uh, out to get us, and that he's not just some spirit floating around in the galaxy somewhere. See, Jesus came to show us the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It's not really reckless from his perspective. It's more, uh, that's probably more reckless from our vantage point. You know, like, who, who leaves the 99 to go search for the one? Who, who's not satisfied with nine silver coins, but will do everything possible just to find that one lost one? Or, or who waits on the veranda day after day, hoping that today's the day that my wayward child comes home? The father in this story is really God, our heavenly father. Now, listen. 
you might be thinking that this is a great story for those who are really messed up their lives. And, and in fact, maybe when you're hearing this story, there's a, there's a face of somebody that you know that's popped into your mind, and, and you're thinking, yeah, yeah, so-and-so, they fit the bill here for the lost son. But here's the thing. You don't need to ruin your life in order to go to God. All of us have this deep down longing for more in us. You may have everything you want or everything that you need, but still there's this longing for something more. I want to tell you today, only God can fill that more. Only God can. He can fill up that more space in your life. And Jesus is the only way for that to happen. Now, I want to close with this. Uh, in the other stories Jesus told about, the sheep and the coin, they were lost and found stories. But this one was about a son who, you know, who being dead was now alive. Are you ready for this? This will be worth the price of admission right here. Are you ready? Online audience, are you ready? Jesus rose from the grave so that the dead things in us will come back to life. I mean, that's so good. Let me, let me say that again. I'm, I'm preaching way better than your amen in here, all right? Jesus rose from the grave so that the dead things in us would come back to life. Let me ask you, what's dead in your life that needs to come back to life? Because I'll tell you, God's got the defibrillator and his name is Jesus. What's dead in your life that needs to come back to life right now, what is it? Have you lost your way? Have you lost your compassion? Are you wallowing in self-pity or are you clothed with shame? Has addiction gripped you and captivated you or cap held you captive? Is unforgiveness ruling your life and, and ruining all the relationships around you? What's the devil got on you? What's he got on you? Yeah, you, you think you've gone too far? You think you've, you're a lost cause? You, you wonder how God could ever want you back? Friend, all you need to do is get up and step towards God. And what will God do? He will run to you. He will take you in his arms. He'll hold your head to his chest. He'll say, my child has come home again. He will lift your face and wipe the tears from your eyes. Wipe the tears from your eyes. With forgiveness in his voice, he'll say these words. Child, do you know I still love you? Do you know that I still love you? All of this is possible because of Jesus. Jesus' mission to earth was to reveal the love of the Father. The overwhelming, never-ending, reckless, and relentless love of God. 1 John 3.1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that's who we are. And that is what we are, right? We are the children of God. If you today would like to get up and step towards God by asking Jesus into your life, I want to lead you in a simple conversation that we call prayer. You won't have to pray this alone. Everyone here in this room and, and everybody online will pray it with, with you. And, and, and so I want you to repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I am a sinner in need of your grace. 
And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died for my sin and that you raised him to life. I want to trust him as my Savior and follow him as my Lord from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I challenge you to tell someone. Tell a friend. Tell your mom. Tell your dad. Tell a sibling. Just tell someone. And then contact us here at Abundant Life. You can email us or, or call us on the phone. The, the info for that will be on the screen. Or you can visit us on our website and get our contact information there. Or use our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram. We want to hear from you and celebrate with you. Why? Because that's what we do here at Abundant Life. Thank you for coming here today, everyone. And thank you, all of those that are tuning in online. We'll see you next week at 1030. God bless, everyone. God bless.